We hope you're enjoying the Mutual Audio Network. Stick around, there's much more to come. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. How do I? I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All right, everybody, into the time machine. No, 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 you don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. You see, here we are. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, I must inform you that this is episode four. My name is Pete. This is Jane. And I'm Paul. (laughs) The purpose of our show is to present specific episodes of our favorite Old Time Radio series. Episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series or as one of those quotable episodes that fans of old radio like to discuss when they get together. We'll open each episode by introducing the episode, we'll describe it briefly, and then we'll play it for you. Then we'll come back at the end of the selection, and then we're going to discuss it at length, each one of us giving our opinions on its merit, its performances, or anything else that stands out for us. And that's exactly what we're presenting to you, just our opinions on whether or not it's worthy of a place in every old-time radio aficionado's personal collection. You don't have to agree with us. And in fact, we may not agree with each other, but we do hope you'll enjoy what we bring to the table and come back for more. Each of us will take turns selecting a show for discussion. Last month's selection was mine, and that was an episode Lights Out. Just in case you didn't hear it, you really should listen to the show. Uh, This month, we come around again to Pete. And what do you have for us this time around, Pete? Uh, For this installment, I'm bringing you an episode of a brilliant BBC comedy program called The Goon Show, which ran on BBC Home Service from 1951 to 1960 and starred Harry Seacombe, Spike Milligan, and Peter Sellers. Spike Milligan did the lion's share of the writing for the series, and both he and Sellers played several characters each. Harry Seacombe usually played the foil, or as they put it, the Charlie, or man who gets conned, Nettie Seagoon, but he occasionally played other characters. You'll hear him playing Rommel himself at the beginning, and then Nettie later on. The radio show is still hugely popular, and the BBC is still selling recordings to this day. It spawned a short-lived, all-puppet version on TV, and at least one movie, but neither of these versions are nearly as popular as the radio version. We'll talk more about that later. And so, without further delay, we present Rommel's Treasure from 1955 and The Goon Show. And now, friends. Adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable and listen. This is the BBC Home Service. But please don't take it too hard. Oh, second set. I third set. Motion Kerry. Huzzah, we're in. This means yet another extraordinary talking type wireless corn show. <laughs> Ah, they don't write tunes like that anymore. (laughs) Let's hear the other side. (laughs) Stop! Stop that crazy shepherd's bush mambo. (laughs) 
You sinful people now put the screens around bed number two. That he may not have to listen to the story of the search for Rummel's treasure or... say now. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the search for Rommel's treasure all. Hear that sound, dear listeners? I wonder what it is. <laughs> It was El Alamein, 1942. <laughs> the sound of chickens has specially been added for people living in rural districts. <laughs> Rommel's treasure, part iron. The hindquarters of the Africa Corps. Francis Luce. Ah, there you are. The British have broken our line. Curse! All are washing in the mud again. <laughs> Listen, Herr General, it is serious. We must retreat, otherwise the British will lose. You're right. It's a shame to disappoint them after all the troubles they've been to. <laughs> Caporal Chuff! Pack, <laughs> pack my Jewish piano. I'm leaving. <laughs> Captain Moriarty. Yeah, my general. You are one of the few Captain Moriarty's I can trust. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I have a special job for you. It shall be done. Good. You see this mysterious black box? Yeah. You know what is in it? Nein, mein Herr General. Good. Then it is a secret between you and I. I give you my hand. Shake, rattle and roll. Now we must bury the black box ten feet above the ground. Ten feet above the ground? <laughs> but people will see it. That's a chance we will have to take. <laughs> Oberleutnant. Ah, my Harry. <laughs> my life, what am I doing in this army? I don't know. Help us with this black box. There's nothing in my contract about lifting prop baskets. That's all I know. And so they buried the black box ten feet above the ground. Then Rommel made good his escape in James Mason's car. But I tell you, only just in time. Right then, the British arrived. Hands up or I'll draw my rations. It's an English navy manager. Don't move. Don't move or I'll turn the key in this tin of spam. <laughs> now, where's Jim Rommel? He's gone to see Fred Hitler. <laughs> You'll never catch him, Englander. He's flying back to Deutschland. Nonsense, he's going to Germany. <laughs> Private Eccles? Uh-huh. Eccles, stay on guard at this spot and don't move until I come back. Oh, please. Remember, the code word is habanier. Remember, the code word is habanier. Okay. Habanier. All right, you come back. Splendid. I'll see you get the emotion for this. Thank you. Now, come in, Come in, come. 
We must take you to the interrogation officer. German officer outside, sir. I surrender. He's a prisoner, sir. Oh, bring the coward and his money in. Take your pity's You pig England. What show? You're him. Yeah. Now then, regiment. Expanden gets Panzer and Panzerwaffen. Don't you dare do it here. <laughs> now, first name. Hans. Second name. Knitz. Hans Knitz. And boom, the day. Next dance, please. I was just beginning to enjoy this one. Now, here, Captain. Yeah? What I. That watch you're wearing. What about it? That watch. <laughs> How many numerals on the dial? Twelve. It's mine! <laughs> mine had twelve. Give me that watch. I'll prove it's mine. I'll just strap it round my wrist. Make another three holes. There, it fits me perfectly. Take him away, Gablungan. That melody signified the end of part one. Part two... Five years after the war, in a Tobruk officer's mess. I say, does anybody want to know the time? Very well, I'll tell you. It's 9.28 exactly. Thank you. I feel no pain. And, and what of Captain Moriarty? Yes, what of me? I was in Libya trying to find the elusive black box. Rommel's treasure. Do try and remember where you buried it, Moriarty. I've tried, but I can't. If only we could locate the British lieutenant who captured me. He might help us. I wonder where he is. I had retired from the army and was on a goodwill tour of North Africa teaching Morris dancing to the Arabs. <laughs> they didn't seem to be quite getting the hang of it. <laughs> However, one night out of curiosity, I entered a curiosity shop. Good evening. Have a gorilla? <laughs> no, thanks. I've just put one out. Oh. Uh, can I help either of you two gentlemen? Two? I'm alone. Good heavens, so you are. <laughs> are you the proper iota? Yes, Mr. Hercules Gritpipe Thin, doctor of philosophy, professor and degree in mathematics, master of arts... M.A., Cantab, and Knight Order of the Bath. Good heavens. I wish I had those qualifications. So do I. <laughs> Are you absolutely sure that you won't have a gorilla? No, thank you. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'm going back to England in a few days, and I'd like to buy something for my wife. Uh, an antique. Well, how about this early pottery record of Max Geldrey? Shall we dance? I should love to. Nice, cool, blimey. I wish that I could take a message in that day. That is nice. Ooh. <laughs> 
No, I don't think she'd care for that antique. How about uh, something more Egyptian? Oh, yes. Well, here's a catalogue of our current pyramids for sale. <laughs> pyramids? <laughs> I couldn't take one of those back to England. Of course not. You leave it here, and every now and then we write, letting you know how it's getting on. <laughs> Jolly English-type joker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Needle muddle. <laughs> uh, to name but a few. Yes. Wait, wait. Come to think of it. Huh? It would be something to own a pyramid, eh? Wouldn't oh, it? Of course it would. Yes, yes it's a catalogue hers, eh? That's yes. my brochure. Yes. How is your old brochure? Yes, I say. How much is this pyramid on page three? My dear sir, you couldn't have chosen a better model. <laughs> Only done 4,000 years and had one previous owner. Why is he selling? He died. <laughs> oh, I am sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Uh, this one here. Oh, that. Well, of course, that is the great pyramid of Totmes the Third, son of Ka, the sun god, great pharaoh of the upper and lower Nile kingdoms, conqueror of the Scythians, the Assyrians, treasure vault of the Ptolemies, and the greatest pyramid in the world. How much? Eight bob. <laughs> Eight silver shillings for a pyramid? <laughs> But it's second-hand. Curse. The man must be an Egyptologist. <laughs> no, no, I, I can't pay eight shillings. All right, very well, then nine. Nine and six. Ten shillings. <laughs> Ten and six. Sold to the knit in the plasticine boots and lead trilby. Now, <laughs> oh, when can I see my pyramid? Immediately. I'll have you driven there in my own private trousers. Uh, Moriarty! I heard you call my captain. Dear rotten swine, that's my line. Oh, Get out of here! I'm very sorry about... You, Captain Moriarty! Yes. I arrest you as an escaped prisoner of war. Sebastian Yakos, the war's over. Nonsense, there's only an interval. And <laughs> shall we dance? You're still as beautiful as when I've married you. Stop! Stop that sinful dancing. Good pipe. Yeah. This is the Charlie who captured me at Alamein in 1942. See if he remembers where the spot was. Yes, yes. Uh, Mr. Seacroon, have you a good memory? Have I? <laughs> In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Really? <laughs> Do you know, you're much older than I thought. <laughs> the Bristy Blunge. Lieutenant Seagroon, what we want to know is, do you remember the name of the spot where you took me prisoner? Oh, yes, I remember the spot well. It was a place called, um... <laughs> Africa, that's it, Africa. <laughs> yes, 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 but what I mean is the exact spot. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't recall. Come, come, come. Can't you think of something? Let me see now. Mm -hmm. Oh, now I come to think of it, I, I do remember something. What? In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yes, 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 Neddy. But don't you remember anything after that? No, they threw me overboard. <laughs> don't you know that you stop ad-libbing. Need a little loo. Look! If you contact Major Bradlock, he has the original maps which show the exact spot where you were captured. Splendid. Well, then. Thank you, Mr. Sneegroon. Thank you. Gladys? Yes, darling? <laughs> Gladys, darling, drive this Charlie out into the desert, drop him near something that looks like a pyramid, and then leave him. Righto, darling. This way, sir. Call Blimey. Get in. Thank you. Now, if listeners will adjust their ear trumpets to the new high frequency, they will be able to hear Rommel's treasure part the dry. 
The scene, Libya, the time, the present day. Inside a British officer's mess at the Wadi of El Yawant. Wadi El Yawant. Is that Major Bloodnock? Yes. And the time is exactly 10.23 and two seconds. Is that the headquarters of the third filth muck fusiliers? It is. And furthermore... Yes? It is now 10.23 and three seconds. Major, you have in your possession certain war maps that I would like to borrow. Why? I've been trying to locate a certain spot in the desert. What makes you think that I'd lend you British military maps? Money. What a lucky guess. <laughs> I shall bring them round. Uh, what is the address, dear sir? Grit Pipe Tins Curiosity Shop, Mirza Makmatru. Fine, fine. Uh, look, uh, before I leave, I... Well, I do think that you ought to know something. What? It's coming up to 10.24. <laughs> exactly. Taxi to the street of a thousand. I'll follow my secret heart. That recording is now on sale at all good chemists. <laughs> now, here is a recording of Neddy Seagoon in his taxi. If anybody wants me, I'll be in the announcer's restroom. Get out, darling. This is your pyramid here, called Blimey. <laughs> Thank you, darling. I saw before me a pile of earth ten foot high, which as yet, unbeknown to me, was the hiding place of Rommel's treasure. Surely this couldn't be the Great Pyramid of Totmir's. It's so small. He's gone. He's gone leaving me in charge of all this sand. <laughs> leaving me to starve in the desert. This is terrible. I, I haven't paid him. <laughs> Anyone behind that pyramid? I've been here. I've been here what? You you told me the the waiter until you came back, remember? Oh, yes. Oh, horror of horrors. Oh, me? (laughs) Dear faithful old hairy English Tommy, ten years you've waited here rather than disobey that last order I gave you. Stay here till I came back, I said to him. He waited alone in the desert. He never wavered from his duty. He kept the name of servitude shining bright. Eccles. Eccles. You upheld the flag. You never questioned the order. You stayed out here alone. You without food or water. You without money. You without anything to stop you walking away. You! You idiot! What? 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 Me an idiot? Let me put this violin down. I'll tell you. Now listen. You don't think for ten years I've been standing here on guard? I mutinied. I refused to obey an order. There was nobody here to give any orders. I gave them myself. <laughs> like this. Listen. Private Eccles, fall in. You were late. Come on, hurry up, Norton. <laughs> Private Eccles, from the right, number one. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> from the left. 
good. Private Eccles, my good man. Slope arms. I ain't not gonna do it. <laughs> come, 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 my good man. I'm giving you an order. Slope arms. I ain't not gonna slope my arm. Come, come, Private Eccles. Oh. My good man, why are you pointing that gun at me? Put that gun down, my good man. I won't. Yes, you will. I won't. Yes, you will. I won't. 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 I shot him. <laughs> Dear listeners, I fear that ten years alone in the desert has softened his brain. He thinks he's two people. Eccles, come here, good lad. Yeah? Lie down. Okay. Uh, good boy. Steady now. That's it. Lie down. That's right. There. Now say after me, there is only one Eccles. There is only one Eccles. What about me over here? <laughs> <laughs> no! I must be hearing things. Why? I'm even imagining I can hear Ray Elton singing and playing a certain old melody. Exit for a short gorilla. Love me or leave me or let me be lonely You won't believe it, but I love you only I'd rather be lonely than happy with somebody else Yes, the night time's the right time for hugging and kissing Night time is my time for just reminiscing Regretting instead of forgetting with somebody else I want no one unless that someone is you, you, you. I intend to be independently blue, 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 blue. I want your love, but I don't want to borrow, to have it today, to give back tomorrow. But my love is your love, or no love for nobody else.
Fine, 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 fine. Thank heavens it was all a mirage played by Ray Langdon. Now, Eccles, do you know your way out of this desert? Oh, I can't say I do. Well, say something else. I don't. <laughs> Needle, noodle, no naughty, hairy soldier. Get to the top of that ten-foot pyramid, which up to now I don't know contains the black box, and scan the horizon. Okay. What can you see? Nothing. Use your binoculars. Okay. Oh, that's better. See anything now? No, but you can see it much clearer with me. <laughs> Listen. What? There's a record of an airplane approaching. We're saved. Fire your gun to attract his attention. scholar with knees heavily wired for sound. You're in good hands. Thank you, my captain, for them kind words. Thank you. Thanks, you rotten swine, you. Dear listeners, here I was in a harassing position. One, I was with an old hairy English soldier who had lost his mind. Two, I had been sold a pyramid of much smaller size than I had bargained for. Three, actually it wasn't a pyramid, but the burial place of Rummel's treasure, which up to now I did not know. Four, I had shot down the world's greatest cardboard and string aviator. And five, it was early closing day in East Acton. Oh, no! <laughs> there, there. Don't take it so hard, dear listener. They're opening again tomorrow. <laughs> but hist! I hear someone approaching. Everyone hide behind the horizon. Stop the car. Stop the car, will you? It's something of anything. Oh, this is the place. And we arrived here dead on 11.30. Sapristi. Look. That's it. What? That's that ten-foot mound there. Gladys, take the shovel and you'll find the black box at the top, darling. Oh, yes, darling. Great white. Soon we'll have the treasure. I watched as they unearthed the black box. Then I sprang. Oh, a tired English navy manager. You devilish men. You sold me a phony pyramid and left me in the desert to die. To die? I thought it was yesterday. <laughs> I don't wish to do that. I see, look, sir. Neddy, don't take on so. Moriarty, yes. and get the black box, which up to a moment ago, Neddy, didn't know was buried in the mound, and get it into the car. Well said. <laughs> Neddy, it's all been a dreadful mistake. 
We'll refund you the money, and here is an advance in Hittite pottery vases. Stop! Stop that taxi! The swine Moriarty's got away with Rommel's treasure. Treasure he won't get far. Eccles, bend down. Okay. Right now, everybody on. Hold tight. Off you go, Eccles. <laughs> Neddy, he's running beautifully. Yes. He's only done 4,000 miles. <laughs> My, what a lovely night. Shall I... Shall I tell you something? What, Neddy? You're just as beautiful as when I first married you. <laughs> you tease. <laughs> shall we dance? Needle, not a And so, dear listeners, they danced in hot pursuit of Moriarty. Now, here is a record of Moriarty and his taxi in full flight. Faster, faster, Gladys, darling. They're gaining. What's the time? It's a blast. It's stopped. Good heavens. Wait. What's that sign ahead? Danger minefields. Minefields? Yes, don't stop. It's only an old war sign. Keep driving on. Keep it clear all the way. People with television sets will see that the explosion blew Rommel's small black box up in the air and it lands on... treasure, which up to three hours ago I did not know was buried in a ten-foot mound. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. This gun is loaded. At last, the treasure. Now I'll just lift the lid. Oh, a music box. Shall we dance? Yes, darling. The BBC recorded program featuring Peter Sellers, Harry Seekman, Spike Milligan, with the Wellington Quartet and Max Gelbray. The orchestra was conducted by Wally Stott, script by Spike Milligan, announcer Wallace Greenslade. The program was produced by Peter Eaton. That was an episode of The Goon Show called Rommel's Treasure, and it was originally broadcast on October 25th, 1955, on BBC Radio. So, Pete, this was your selection, so tell us, why did you choose it? Well, I've been a fan of The Goon Show since I was a kid. I think I mentioned in our last episode that I used to listen to a show on WCBU in Peoria, called Do You Remember These? And it was an old-time radio program that played old-time radio shows. So when I was a teenager, listening to the radio while I was doing the dishes, on comes this BBC comedy, and I, I, I didn't catch the name of it at the time, but I remember one specific line. They did, um, <laughs> they, they were doing some sort of battle scene, and they needed a weapon. And um, some young boy comes up, and he says, Hmm. Well, who are you? I'm Beaujest. Oh, I could spit. And somebody else says, It's a crossbow! <laughs> <laughs> so that was the weapon they needed. That stuck with me, you know? So uh, when I got to Scotland, I remembered the goon show and, and 
went to uh, record stores in Scotland and bought cassettes. Okay, this was in the in the early '90s. I didn't have a CD player at the time. Cassettes were still pretty popular, so I bought tape after tape after tape that I could find. And so I amassed quite a collection of Goon Show recordings. Rommel's Treasure stood out for me as one of the zaniest ones, and it's just so full of uh, zingers and one-liners and and gags and and um, just hilarious. Silly, silly stuff that I, I had to share it with uh, with both of you and our listeners. So that's why. <laughs> well, I think that's some very good reasons. Very good reasons. So jump in. Yeah, what did you think Paul, of it? What did I think of it? Either I, one of you. I will tell you what I thought of it. Okay. I, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> and um, I th- I thought it was great, and I I wasn't familiar with Spike, S- so I got a little more familiar with Spike, and that uh, um, was a fun, uh, interesting lesson in itself. But back to the show, I I really enjoyed it because of those snappy one-liners, you know, and they're coming at you, and it takes two or three listens, and I finally found a script. Um, oh, Paul, so you followed along with the script while you were listening? Yeah, okay. yeah. On the third listen, I followed with the script. Mm-hmm. Um, so because there are some things, you know, because they come so fast. But I tell you what, you know, the you know, the the past, the code word of habanier, <laughs> habanier <laughs> ten years. <laughs> but but uh, I don't even know if that's a real I'm, word that they made I, into a pun. No, but I. Um, but what I'm gonna tell you is that i loved it because this show exposed me to new music and new musicians and when i learn new music that is always fun and exciting for me because there are some great musicians that were in the goon show oh yeah yeah max the the harmonica yeah Yeah, and and i loved (laughs) when he starts playing and you have the 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 other characters like Mmm, that's nice. <laughs> that was Ray Ellington saying. That was Ray Ellington saying, "That's nice." And then, and then Peter Sellers' blue bottle says, "I wish I could play the mouth organ like that. That's nice." <laughs> it, you know, it was fun. It was a seamless weave, and I loved how they did that, sliding into the music and then out of it, and, and you know, employing it. And of course, Ray Ellington uh, um, also doing a voice in the show it was fun. Yeah, he doing his Gladys. Rochester. <laughs> Yeah, Gladys yeah. doing the Rochester thing. Call blimey. And, and, that was uh, just so funny with with that voice saying call blimey, you know. Yeah. I got you I got your car, sir, call blimey. You yeah. know. Get was, out, call blimey. Yeah, yeah. so Ray Ellington That's right. um, was uh half English and half American. I think his uh father was a white Englishman and his mother was a black American. No, so he, his mother was his mother was, was an English Jew. His oh, mother really? was an English Jew, and okay, I got it mixed um, up. Okay, and uh, uh, why where where those notes went? Um, and his dad. Well, of course, I didn't uh, cop that part. So anyway, but yeah, whatever. Uh, but his he was dad was mixed American. race. Yes. Yeah, mixed race and uh, amazing musician. Yeah, he. I love his singing voice. Uh, <laughs> he's got that wonderful gravel in his voice, but he can still hit high notes. That's uh, absolutely really terrific. 
I think they were trying to mess up. Yeah, and I think they were trying to make make Max Geldre, the harmonica player, mess up, but he didn't. You know, that's they're trying to make him giggle. Yeah, I think he started on the Goon Show. He was only in his teens, if I remember correctly. He's Dutch, uh, but Mm -hmm. when he had an occasional speaking line, he sounded English. He Mm -hmm. didn't have you know the Dutch accent. Uh, He didn't speak in this one, but uh, he has. I've heard him uh, in some episodes. Yeah. So what do you think there, uh, Paul? Oh, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, I've been like a Monty Python fan since I was a little kid. So when I first heard of The Goon Show and started listening to it, I mean, it it was nothing that you really had to adjust to because they already set you up for Python, you know? And so then when you know Python, you're going to know The Goon Show. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and, uh, and if so you're like me, if you're like me, Paul, you watched uh, two episodes of Monty Python every Saturday night on both uh, <laughs> um, the local public TV station and WILL out of Bloomington Normal, yep. because we had it at ten and then at ten thirty uh, when I was growing up. So it was, I don't remember what the name of the the because I think we used to get the PBS station from Chicago WTVP. Yeah, well, TVP. in Peoria, w, WTVP. And oh, okay. then the WILL uh, from the University of Illinois. Yankees talking. <laughs> yeah, all of them started in, with W's. <laughs> oh, well, bless your pea picking heart. Oh, now. <laughs> Cotton picking. You get my, it right. My, mother, my mother in law is Southern, so believe me, I know what that line means. Yeah. <laughs> It means you're really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't think you're stupid, Jane. Not at all. Uh, so let's get Thanks. back to the English humor. The English humor here. Um, now, now let's talk about the, the cast members. Harry Seacombe um, played Nettie, and, now, and, and he played Rommel. I love that line. <laughs> Captain Moriarty, you are one of the few Captain Moriarty's I can trust. <laughs> Think of something. <laughs> and, and, and so I don't know if you recognize his voice or, or know where else he's done, but he was he had a huge following in England, but um, people in America may not have heard of him until they saw the movie Oliver because Harry Seacombe played Mr. Bumble and he sang that one boy, boy for sale. Did you ever see Oliver? Uh-huh. The movie? I haven't seen Oliver in a long time. Not well, neither have I, but I, 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 I recognize him. As soon as I heard his voice on The Goon Show, I said, I've heard his voice before. And it was Mr. Bumble. Uh, Spike Milligan, you know, the, who, who was um, Moriarty and um, several other characters, was in The History of the World Part One, the Mel mm-hmm. Brooks movie. He was, um, I think, in the French Revolution scene. He was imprisoned, and the woman was trying to get Mel Brooks as the King of France to release her father, and he was insane. So, I think that was him. And uh, of course, Peter Sellers, Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther films. Uh, he was in The Mouse That Roared. He was in Lolita. He was, of course, his final one. I think one of his final roles, being there, uh, yeah. Chauncey Gardner, um, and so many other, so many other wonderful performances. He did the lion's share of the character voices. I mean, he and Milligan could really, I don't know if you, it, it's its hard to tell unless you're familiar with the show like I am, hard to tell who does what. 
Agreed. Yeah, so you've got to be familiar with the characters. So go through this. Um, in this episode, Harry Seacombe played Nettie Seagoon and General Rommel and some other background voices, I'm sure. Spike Milligan played Eccles. He's the, how many have been here for 10 years? He did Eccles. <laughs> yes. And uh, uh, Count Moriarty. I would have guessed that would have been Sellers doing Eccles. Mm-mm. No, no, no. That was that was his. Hmm. Uh, everybody loved Eccles. Uh, Sellers played uh, Major Bloodknock. He was the one with the watch. Yo, uh-huh. watch. How many numerals are on it? Twelve. Twelve. It's mine. <laughs> and so he pl- spent the whole remainder of the show telling everybody what time it was. It's <laughs> every two Major, seconds. Major Bloodknock and. Um, also, Hercules Grit Pipe Thin, wonderful name, Hercules Grit Pipe Thin, was um, the proprietor the of the yes. of the of the shop, and um, how about and then, gorilla? And then yes, now that is a joke that yeah. played That's in the, another episode. Have a gorilla, and 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 then Seekum says, uh, "No thanks, I've just put one out." In another episode, they play that all the way through, and it was um, so they have a gorilla. No thanks, they hurt my throat. <laughs> and then and then somebody asks uh, um, Eccles if he wants a gorilla. He says, no, no, no. Try one of my monkeys. They're milder. <laughs> so, so, but then somebody takes somebody takes a gorilla and all, and then you hear and he's oh strong. <laughs> so that was. Just an allusion to that uh, previous episode, I'm pretty sure. Um, that, so they didn't go through the whole thing. But everybody at the time who listened to the Goon Show said, oh, they're talking about that other that other one. So um, that was pretty much the cast of this episode. The announcer is Wallace Greenslade. He was very good at jokes as well. He had a wonderful sense of humor, and they would give him comedy lines to do from time to time. Uh, he didn't do much in this one. But they once had an entire episode devoted to Wallace Greenslade called, naturally, The Wallace Greenslade Story. <laughs> it shows it how he came up uh, in the in the ranks of the BBC announcing uh, staff. Uh, and it's very funny. So I recommend you look that one up, The Wallace Greenslade Story. It's one of the one of the funnier ones. But um, I'm glad you both liked it. It's a um, just hilarious show all the way through. I don't think there was a single uh, sour note in my opinion. Okay, so are we ready to uh, to vote? Nobody else had anything to say? Paul, any other comments? Um, no. Effortless British humor. Okay. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Okay, then. So what are we voting on, dear listener? As a reminder, we are voting on First of all, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series. And two, whether or not it's a standalone show that belongs in every radio aficionado's collection. And again, Pete, since this was your selection, go first. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, As to the first point, I think this is absolutely uh, representative of the Goon Show humor. It's got... All of the main characters, they are zany, they're funny. It's got a wonderful song by Max Geldre and a terrific tune by Ray Ellington and his quartet. Uh, plus, Ray joins in on the fun. So all the way through, the jokes, the, 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 the gags, 
the story itself is so silly. <laughs> and bury this mysterious box 10 feet above the ground. It's just, you try, everybody's trying to imagine. Okay, how do you bury something 10 feet above the ground? But um, they really tied it in well with the pyramids. And uh, so it was slightly, <laughs> slightly, excuse me. <clears throat> I get to laughing and I get to coughing. Um, yes. Uh, it was slightly believable <laughs> how they were able to tie that one in. Um, but, and then the whole thing with um, the, the long gag with Eccles and the habanier and the <laughs> where you mute me. <laughs> I ain't a gonna do it. <laughs> no, 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 Mom. No, no, Eccles. There's no need to point that gun at me, my good man. <laughs> so, yes, very much representative of, of the series. And it is so funny that even if you don't know the characters, you could listen to the show and just get a kick out of it the way the two of you did. Uh, you know, I, I think Paul has had some experience listening to other Goon Show, but maybe this was your first one, Jane. Yes. Per- so, okay. So, um, and you enjoyed it. So, yeah, I believe that any radio collector should have this in his or her collection. And that's how I feel about it. Next. Paul. Paul? Well, I also agree. I, I think this is very uh, important, actually, kind of in the history of comedy, because they they were more they were very groundbreaking, you know, and uh, they really set the tone for a lot of things after them, namely, of course, Monty Python. But yes. they were they were just like the for, the front runner for all that stuff. And if you watch any like documentaries about Monty Python, they'll all tell you that they were huge, huge fans of the Goon Show and everything, and they just couldn't get enough of it, and that was a lot of their inspiration. And so I think it's a very important show, uh, aside from just being fun and funny and everything, I think it is rather important in the history of comedy also. And, I mean, uh, the thing I love is when you have just three people, but when you have such a well-rounded sounding program, because they all do so many great voices mm-hmm. you know and they're not so much you know subtle voices or something like that but weird wacky over the top voices musical they have voices. Such a, yeah. yeah yeah they have such a wide range of the things that it's hilarious and it, and it helps round it all out a lot too and so yes i vote a positive on this because i really think it is important for everyone who truly wants to know about the history of comedy as an old-time radio aficionado would add this to their collection Excellent, excellent. Jane. <laughs> Jane, is there anything left to say, Jane? Tell us, please. What did you think? I, I, you know, as I said at the outset, I thought it was a great show. I would recommend this. And, you know, I know you're not going to steer us wrong, Pete. Uh, oh, so maybe I'll clearly, do it on purpose next time. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, here we go. Um Obviously, it's a true representative uh, installment of the overall series, just from what I I went on and read about it myself and Spike Milligan. And, of course, I could see where this would be uh, the basis and and big influences on the Monty Python crew. So that in in and of itself, I think, for anybody who is a huge Python fan – but who isn't familiar with the Goon Show, check it out. You know, this is good stuff. And music 
fans too if you love jazz check it out because this has everything and Spike Milligan was groundbreaking with his sound effects and he taught himself how to play trumpet and so he was very into music and his compositions come out with just some of these weird sound effects and the musical sound effects so that's fun to listen to and for so i would delve into more goon show if you're not familiar with it and i would say definitely put this one in in your collection for sure excellent excellent yeah thanks jane you know who else was uh, heavily influenced by the goon show the beatles Beatles. They listened. They, you know how funny the Beatles were when when they're doing interviews and stuff like mm-hmm. that. They learned that from listening to the radio and listening to the Goon Show. Uh, John Lennon um, was interviewed, or he reviewed the Goon Show scripts, a collection of scripts in the 1973 uh, edition um, for the New York Times, and he wrote, "I was 12 when the Goon Show first hit me. 16 when they finished with me. Their humor was the only proof." that the world was insane. <laughs> John, at least, was heavily influenced by The Goon Show. Now, um, there was something else. Milligan wrote funny songs that became huge hits, and then they would plug them in a com- comedic way on on the show. It's like Harry Seacombe might have a, a song that came out, and, say, and he would start to whine about something that was happening to him in the in the plot, you know, and then uh, uh, Peter Sellers would come out with a, a, a sympathetic voice. Don't cry. Your record's doing well. He <laughs> would laugh about that. <laughs> You're selling records. Don't cry, Nettie. So uh, lots of lots of uh, terrific things about this. And I, I encourage all of you out there, uh, all three or four of you who, who might be listening to um, check out more. Goon Show episodes. They are available on YouTube. They're available on archive.org and other places. And um, you can buy them in collections from the BBC and other sellers. And um, just go out there and listen, 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 and laugh, laugh, laugh. Mm, Yes. So, okay. Well, great. This brings us to the end of episode four of Old Time Radio Essentials with Jane St. John, Paul Arbisi, and me, Pete Lutz. Next time, the cycle comes around to Paul again, and he's bringing us... I'm bringing us a Connecticut Yankee, sponsored by Ford. Uh, Ford started putting on a weekly mm, drama series. I mean, they did musicals, they did comedies, they did the whole thing. And this was the first show in the series. They did about 39 shows. And this is a spin on the old Mark Twain classic. Uh, And it's been cleverly brought up to date... Uh, up to date for 1947, that is. Okay. Uh, and so it's, it's right after World War II, and so people still had that that mentality, and there was a lot of like wartime references to it, and there was a lot of slang that was popular around that era, and there they even have a Ford in King Arthur's Court. So, oh. yeah. So, oh, well. and, of course they do. <laughs> yeah. That's next month on Old Time Radio Essentials. Jane, Paul, tell the masses what they need to know. Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the all-new Mutual Audio Network. Find us at www.mutualaudionetwork.com. 
www.naradaradio.com or www.naradaradio.libsyn.com on iTunes under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company and on any podcatcher that you may happen to use. Like us on Facebook at Mutual Audio Fans and at Narada Radio Company Fans and Friends on Twitter at Essentials Old. If you want to suggest a future episode, write us at F6.3 at gmail.com. That's the letter F, the number six, and the word point. Oh, and the number three, at gmail.com. Put the word essentials in the subject line. Yeah, don't be afraid, dear listeners. Send us emails and tell us what you think of the show. And tell us what you want to hear. We did receive a very nice email about a week before we recorded this episode with lots of suggestions. And we want to thank the listener, Christian, for quite a list. We'll be listening to those soon and making one or two choices for future episodes. And now, thanks to all of you for listening. Be sure to catch us next time on Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye-bye for now. Bye, everybody. Have a good one. Sixty-three audio. The traffic. The boss. The baby. The baboon. That does it. Eighty, take me away. Lose your cares in the luxury of a warm audio drama. AD softens the calluses on your soul, leaving you feeling silky smooth as it lifts your spirits. The soft, luxurious, and fragrantly sonic world of audio drama. It's like no other aural experience. Audio drama. I love it. Pamper your soul with an audio drama. Nurture yourself in narrative. AD. Now with dynamic panning crystals. Available on the Mutual Audio Network or wherever oral narratives are sold. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.